Welcome to the Studio Break Podcast. I'm your host, David Linway. For today's 35th episode, I want to share a conversation that I just had very recently with artist Melissa Oreski. She lives and works in Chicago, Illinois, and she has a big exhibition that's open at the Hyde Park Arts Center right now, featuring a number of different kinds of work on paper and a new animation. The exhibition's called Trail, and it runs through August, so please check that out. If you happen to be a fan of podcasts and, and listening to podcasts while you're working, just remember you can go to the iTunes store and subscribe to us there. Just search for Studio Break under Podcasts and subscribe there. And once again, you can always go to Facebook and like us there. We provide a good deal of information about upcoming artists and share images and any kind of news that's going on in the, in the Chicago area especially. So please check us out there and say hello. All right, here we go with Melissa's interview. Check it out. Welcome to Studio Break. I'm your host, David Linaway, and with me today is Melissa Oreski. How are you today? I'm great, thanks. Awesome. I'm, I'm doing well, doing well. Trying to, well, it's nice to actually have a break from, from, the, from the studio for at least an hour or so here. Um, but um, I wanted to talk to you, obviously, all about your work, and then, you know, later on, um, the most current work, um, which is up uh, where? Just At the Park Art Center. Oh, okay. And how long will it be running? Oh, through August. August, gosh. Nineteenth. See, there's. Well, you know, I, I always like to just start out by just getting a little bit of an idea of where people are, um, you know, in terms of, well, I guess where they're at now, and then also, you know, where they grew up and and some of those kind of experiences in, in terms of, and I would think especially with your work, landscape would be something that's important. But could you just tell us, I guess, where you reside now, and then maybe uh, all the transitions that happened early on. Uh, sure. Um, well, I live, I'm sort of uh, part-time um, in doing some normal, um, where I teach um, at Illinois State University, as I know you know um, well. And um, I also have a studio in Chicago, so I'm, I'm back and forth between uh, Bloomington Normal and Chicago. Um, I grew up uh, in Maryland, outside of Washington, D.C., and um, came to Chicago to go to school. So I've basically... Um, been in um, Illinois for half my life at this point. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh gosh, is that a good thing or a bad thing? <laughs> I like it here. I mean, I I um, certainly have a lot of valuable friends and artist uh, colleagues and peers here who I love. So sure. Well, and so, um, were you, did you gravitate towards the arts when you were, you were young or is it something that you kind of slowly, I guess, came into, I don't know how we all wind up in this field, but. Um, I, it's funny. Um, I do, I did, I was always, um, I was always visual and I, um, have a lot of background. Um, my, my dad's a musician, um, and, um, my grandfather, was a forensic photographer. Um, other people in my family um, have more uh, science of scientific sorts of uh, events. Uh, 
but we're not, we're, you know, I don't think there, um, I have other relatives who do visual things, but, um, I don't think I have any other relatives who have become, um, like kind of full-time visual artists. Um, and I hope I'm not, not just forget, failing to think of somebody, but, um, but yeah, so, so it's, it was an artistic, uh, it was a good nurturing environment for, um, doing uh, something artistic. Uh, of course, you know, my family was very supportive of that, having a lot of, um, kind of musical inclination in the as well. Sure. Well, and so did you, th- then did you, I mean, just do the, the, maybe the table of things that a lot of kids start out doing in terms of drawing, or were you involved with, like, crafts and stuff? I mean, I, again, I, I, it's just interesting because I think some people come to it, um, like, almost out of the blue, you know, with, like, out any training, and then you know, especially um, just because I teach as well, you know, there's there's a, those other kids that have been doing it since they were like four and they've taken all these classes. No, and... I, I definitely did. I, I was apparently, um, I remember asking, my, my dad would bring me like stacks of um, of Xerox paper from his work. <laughs> he would bring me like an entire, you know, box of Xerox paper and I would just sit there probably when I was, you know, seven or eight and I would just do like drawing after drawing and I made like hundreds of drawings when I was a kid. Um, so I, it was something that I always gravitated to. Um, and I probably started getting serious about it when I was, uh, maybe 13 or 14 and was sent to a couple of summer camps. And I remember one of, I think I was like 14 years old and I never thought about what I wanted to do with myself. And one of my teachers um, said, you should think about being an artist. And so at that point, sort of put something in my head. And and I didn't really, uh, I, I didn't have a lot of pressure. I didn't put a lot of pressure on it. I just, nothing, nothing else ever really emerged that seemed interesting to me. So I just kept doing what I knew I was interested in. And I suppose if something else had popped up, um, that I wanted to follow uh, really seriously, I would have. But it, it was it was just like almost the default uh, path. Sure, sure. And I, I always liked um, photography as well. Um, my grandfather taught me how to do photography when I was um, a kid, and um, I don't know. It just it, it was almost effortless. I don't remember making like, a big decision. Sure. Well, and so then when, when you, when you, I guess, left that environment of going, I guess, um, and I'm imagining that you continued this in high school a little bit, um, how did you wind up, uh, going to, going to school for it? And, uh, yeah, um, I went to, um, art magnet program in high school and, uh, they would help you prepare your portfolio for, um, applying to different art schools, um, or universities and, um, I don't know why. I, I honestly can't remember why I chose to apply to SAIC um, among other schools. It was the, I think the schools in California were sort of too far away for me to really consider. Um, and then everything else I applied to was on the East Coast in New York. Or, and so um, I just ended up doing that. And, and then SAIC was, uh, I had a friend from, that I knew from high school who had gone out the year before, and so I went and stayed with her. And I I really liked it, but I also had a lot of fun when I was there because I knew somebody, so I think that that kind of influenced my decision. Like, when I went to visit, 
I, I was I think I was deciding between um, SVA, SAIC, and Maryland Institute. Maryland Institute is like way too close to home. Like I want to get farther away from my family. And then I was a little overwhelmed, even though I like New York a lot. I was sort of grossed out by the dorms at SVA. <laughs> so I think that might have like made me lean a little bit more towards going to Chicago. And there was really something about um, Chicago and about the Midwest that seemed a little wilder. Um, and I don't know if that was just something about the um, open, more open spaces or less density or something, but something about um, the city really appealed to me. So um, that's how I am. I mean, I don't know if that's particularly interesting. Um, oh, I, I, think, I think it's certainly interesting. And, and, you know, and I think, you know, and this wouldn't necessarily have to be something that's that's right now, but I mean, obviously, just with the the nature of what you do, um, I would think that any kind of location change might be something that that directly winds up influencing you. So, um, well, at the time, I wasn't interested in landscape. Right, um, right. I wasn't uninterested in landscape, but I was making figurative work until um, probably when I got out of undergrad and, and even beyond a little bit. So. And so was it, I guess, pretty, um, I guess, traditional in terms of the type of undergrad education that you get, like a smattering of, you know, different different types of mediums and art history and all the, all the like? I mean, was this, did you gravitate towards the 2D I, side or? I was really interested in um, German expressionism. Even in high school, um, I sort of, I was really obsessed with Max Beckman. Um, which might be kind of a weird um, thing. I think it's not weird if you look closely at my work because there's really strong uh, kind of structural quality to that work and there's a sort of density and uh, compression to it that um, I think makes probably a lot of sense in terms of how I organize my my, uh, paintings and drawings and deal with space. Um, But I saw a show, uh, they, they reconstructed the degenerate art show um, at the Smithsonian when I was in high school and I remember seeing it a number of times and being really, really interested in that work um, and so that was and, and then I also liked um, surrealism a lot and um, although I, I don't recall I wasn't really interested in like Dali and the stuff that the high school kids usually liked but um, I think there was something about um the, that kind of dream state that interested me at the time. And then I thought later on, you know, as I got more uh, in, into art school, I kind of found that embarrassing. But <laughs> I, I really liked it a lot when I was in high school when I first... It's interesting how you're, like, really into something. You're like, oh, that's sort of tacky or that's not very... That's not cool. Maybe I, maybe I should distance myself a little bit from that. But then, you know, as I got uh, into graduate school, I started to be... I started to have a little bit more, uh, I, I started to analyze what that was about a little more, and it um, it kind of made sense to me because of some of the things that surrealism does, which is kind of taking uh, a pictorial structure and transposing something from one location into a different space. And so that was, I think, also something that stayed with me um, from my early interests. Yeah. Sure. Well, and, and it'd be, it's, it's interesting to think about, you know, the way that, 
and I don't, I don't know what, what was the, was the, in working from the figure, I mean, um, I believe you said you work with more figurative. I mean, was it mostly from life or were they kind of constructions or? Yeah, it was both, uh, from life and inventive, uh, figures, but I was really, um, I, I, my drawing was pretty, um, stylized. Um, so it, it was not, um, wrong or inaccurate it just was not it, it wasn't like I wasn't like a real loose or I was sort of a very precise kind of drafts person and so it was kind of easy for precise um that's not really the word I was looking for but um kind of clean um mm-hmm. drafts person so um it, it definitely uh it, it made it, and also the fact that I was really interested in like a lot of modern art made me um approach that the figure in a much more sort of uh, stylized or just intentionally distorted kind of way. Sure. Um, yeah, so even when I drew from life, I, I wasn't particularly um, faithful. I, w- I, I would take what I was looking at and really make it into something else. Well, and I guess, you know, just because, and again, I, I, it's always one of those things, I guess, where you know, when you're looking at the most current things, you're wondering where everything began and, and, and what that process was like. And so it seems that material is something that's that's pretty important to you now. Was that something that had always been kind of important? Um, and if I'm wrong, that's perfectly fine. Sorry? <laughs> I said, and I get it wrong plenty of times, you know. No, no, I'm, <laughs> I'm just thinking about your question because I, ha- I hadn't really thought about whether that was always important to me. I think that for a while I was trying to empty my paintings out of um, a lot of mark making and trying to keep them as smooth as possible. And then, um, and, and also I have like a pretty graphic kind of sensibility as well. And so um, material is something that, or, or sort of te- textural, tactile um, materiality is something that I've I think I've really been trying to bring really pressure and bring back into my work over the last couple of years after sort of, I I think um, I wasn't very conscious of that when I was uh, studying until I got to graduate school. And then um, it was, you know, the late 90s and I felt like, you know, I think a lot of people in graduate school remove everything from their work except for what they feel is the most... um, basic or the most um, vital, so it's sort of emptying out process, and one of the things that I emptied out was anything that I thought would be superfluous or gratuitous mark making, Um, and so where I ended up um, at the end of graduate school was this very um, flat painting with very specific and intentional um, interruptions of materiality, like pores. or, you know, having a very matte painting with, like, very specific moments of loss. Um, so uh, bringing in a more active kind of uh, mark-making or more active um, materiality or textural quality to the work, even through collage and through um, adding pieces of fabric or a lot of different, um, uh, a lot of different paint additives to the work, or making the materiality of something dense is is pretty recent, and it's actually one of the things that um, is is 
the most challenging for me um, right now. So I'm pretty involved. Sure, sure. Well, and, and I guess um, we've got plenty of time to, to talk about about this, and it's one of those things, just looking back on things, I don't know, it's just an interesting process because I don't know that we all necessarily constantly sit around and think about what happened, you know, yeah. over a decade ago. But, I mean, was there was there any I mean, what was the transition, I guess, to go from something more figurative to kind of this distilling process? Um, and I guess was it ever... Was it ever, it seems like in, in the landscapes anyway, or at least the more recent kind of things that maybe reference or, um, you know, have to deal with that in some ways, it becomes sometimes very, very abstract and then sometimes slightly more representational. So, I mean, was there, I don't know, what was that process like in terms of you kind of coming to that realization? Was there specific aha moments or anything? Or? Like that I was allowed to make abstraction. <laughs> oh really? Yeah, that was that was one of the. Well, there's. I I think that what you just brought up, like I could talk for about an hour just on that. So, um, but I, I think probably would divide it into two parts. I mean, one is the movement from um, representation, making work that's really overtly representational, to making work that is um, abstract and. That was really a process of being sort of acknowledging to myself that um, I was I was allowed to make abstraction, um, and that by making abstraction, I didn't have to exclude um, representation from the work. Um, so there wasn't I can I can move back and forth, and that space is open and fluid and hybrid, and um, a lot of the in fact I think all the artists I love the most work sort of in this zone between between those two um, words. And in a way, I can't even really see the difference between abstraction and representation. I, mean, I can see when I am supposed to recognize something, but um, what, you know, talking about German expressionism and talking about the work that I liked the most when I was um, younger, I remember looking at um, really overtly representational images that had a lot of mark making in them, had a lot of um, really open sort of um, or material uh, brush marks in them, and being really interested in the in sort of moving in and out of that painting and seeing it in terms of the mark making, and then sort of seeing how that mark making congealed into becoming a thing. And so that process of moving between the abstract qualities of something and what it refers to is one of the most exciting and pleasurable aspects of um, painting for me. So um, the, the only, you know, I guess, um, just so, so it means that I can make stuff that is really overtly representational but still but is still always abstract and is really, um, so, or else something that might be abstract but still, has, still makes illusionistic space or still um, has sort of... Um, some sort of um, conventional pictorial structure that might refer to um, representation, um, even though its contents might not in any way be representational um, forms or, or images. Um, so I think that the play between those two things has become like a lot more, I, I feel a lot more... Um, confident to do that in different ways and to do that in different bodies of work instead of having like 
one monolithic body of work where I'm deciding, okay, this is what I'm doing. Like, I'm, I can kind of say, okay, this is what I'm doing here, and this is what I'm doing here. And they have different degrees of abstraction versus representation in that. Um, there's another part of your question, and I'm trying to remember. <laughs> uh, remember um, where, oh, it was moving from figure to landscape, which is different than um, representation to abstraction. Um, and that was very specific, um, that kind of shift, um, because I don't make figurative work anymore. Um, and I don't expect that I will, although I might at some point. I mean, I won't, I won't preclude anything from happening in the future. Um, but I guess um, there was a time where I started to realize that the people who I was putting into paintings, whether they were real or whether they were invent invented, weren't particularly important, and I didn't want to think about things like character or personality or narrative in the way that figurative, overtly figurative work um, would usually provoke a viewer to want to follow those things. So, but I'm very interested in the body and the idea of um, painting being embodied um, and being a sort of address to the, sort of the perceptual space um, or the physical space of the viewer. So in a way, so I started to use um, diagrams and images of body parts in the work. So I would make these um, landscapes that uh, instead of uh, grass or shrubs used images of nerve cells, um, for instance. So they would be very much about um, the body and a kind of sense, the idea of a landscape that was uh, sensory. Um, and that little transposition of the, the nerve cell or the eyeball or a cross-section of a brain um, or an arm or part. I mean, I was using all sorts of images when that, some of them were really kind of silly and stupid too. Like they were these visual puns basically. Um, and I was making, I was making like bad visual puns at moments. And so I sort of had to, it, it took me a while to kind of get out of that, but they were ways for me to explain how body and landscape fit together. Um, and I stopped using um, imp, like overt images of the body uh, in, I guess, in maybe 2007 or 8 or something, um, because I felt like I didn't need them anymore um, and that the body was implied because I was addressing issues of space, moving through space, um, and mark making because of the way the hands were kind of. Uh, carries a trace or imprint of the artist and makes that connection to the body of the viewer. So I guess, um, you know, in a way, it's, I still feel like they're, um, they're, the landscapes are very much about um, this, the way the body moves through space, um, not really only, or they are also about the exter external world, and I'm really interested in um, Incorporating photographs of um, that I take outside and um, thinking about particular places, um, and also um, thinking about um, the kinds of materials and textures and structures and forms that you observe out in the world, um, and also the knowledge that you have about those forms, whether that's from reading uh, 
you know, botany textbook or watching a documentary on, uh, you know, geology or something like that. Um, so I'm, so I'm interested in sort of the intersection between, um, landscape and body's experience in the landscape, kind of the same way, uh, I'm interested in the relationship between, um, representation and abstraction and painting, that those are things that are always sort of moving back and forth into each other. Sure. Well, it, it seems like it would be a pretty, you know, a pretty eye-opening kind of process in terms of the way that you might then, I guess, redirect your work and, and, and I guess kind of lead you more towards the path of what you're doing now. Um, was there any, any particular kind of research or... Uh, things that you started looking at that were, I guess, different or things that you hadn't considered bef- that you, you know what I mean, that you might have dismissed before, but that became somehow more interesting as you were kind of exploring? There are, there are a lot of artists that I thought I wasn't interested in, and then I realized I was really interested in. Um, I'm, I'm really bad at sort of coming up with it, but my tastes changed a lot. My, um, and, um, also, uh, I'm forgetting, um, I guess I became more interested in process. Um, and so, um, like, I, I really didn't identify with uh, geometric um, abstraction or with minimalism. Um, when I was younger, and that's something that um, the sort of process aspect of that and the kind of um, logic of it started to really appeal more and more to me over the last um, few years. Um, thinking about um, working in series, um, working sequentially, um, and um, I, I don't know, just all of, all this, uh, this sort of stuff that um, I maybe was too, um, I was more focused on kind of the end product when I was um, younger and trying to get something that really, that was really like a singular object that kind of compressed and contained like everything I was thinking about. And now I feel a lot more like I want my, I want to move through ideas as part of a longer, more open-ended process and trust that um, all of the, the results of that process will kind of get to some aspect of the things that I might want a viewer to think about instead of have everything contained in each piece. Sure. Well, and so, I mean, then, you know, because we're, we're kind of, I'm, I'm guessing at this point that we're, we're at about postgraduate school, trying to kind of figure out where, where you're at. And so, I mean, um, I don't know. I, it, it's, it's interesting. I'm, I'm curious, you know, um, did, did anything like, like that idea of location become more apparent? Um, you know, I think because one of the first things that, that I noted is just that, you know, you, you had talked about, you know, traveling from from Chicago to Bloomington, for example. Um, is there anything that, that kind of becomes apparent through those things? Or, or are you then kind of, I don't, I don't know, I'm just kind of interested in, in things like, I don't know if there's, um, you know, the experience of walking down the street is the thing that kind of sets something off or sets an idea off or something else or, or maybe... Well, yeah. probably even more um, more dramatic than moving than going back and forth from Chicago to Bloomington. Um, I think that there are different places that I've been that have really embedded themselves. Um, so I think location was there probably from when I was uh, when I was in college. Um, I went to 
I was an exchange student in Israel for a year and was really interested in um, some of the landscapes I saw there. Um, so the Dead Sea um, was a really exciting place and the, the formations there and the kind of weirdness of the, um, like, kind of saltiness <laughs> of, of that um, environment. Um, I remember uh, going camping near the Dead Sea and making a campfire, and it was so gross because the wood smelled like sulfur and rotten eggs. I mean, <laughs> so so there was something about um, that place that was really uh, appealing, and I guess that's not really a visual, that's just more of an overall memory. Um, but when I went, I, I've also traveled um, to, I went to Germany uh, for a residency and was in like the northeast of Germany, sort of um, near the Baltic. Um, and that was a really interesting environment because um, it was so pastoral um, and was kind of orderly and felt cultivated and felt um, verdant and um, old. Like I remember I was really interested in formal gardens, looking at formal gardens when I was in um, Europe and thinking about um, the way um, human uh, uh, the, when, when people live somewhere, um, the way civilization sort of imposes a geometric order on um, landscape at a scale that landscape would never impose on itself. So um, so I was really, I, I noticed that. Um, and then right after that, I went to New Mexico and um, did an artist residency in uh, Santa Fe. And so to go from like this really sort of um, green, kind of civilized European uh, climate to uh, this big, open, um, sort of rough, rougher uh, place in New Mexico was an incredibly interesting shock. Um, and I'm interested in both places, and, and I'm interested in other places, and um, I don't necessarily make work that's specifically about any one place, but um, those kinds of locations are, uh, they, they give me the fuel that I need to. Sure. Stuff, so. Well, and, and so do you wind up then doing like any kind of like studies in terms of maybe the way that, I don't know, color or, you know, just the, the I don't know, the differences would be something that you would take notice of? I'm, I'm trying to figure out maybe what other formal you know, things go into the decision, that decision-making process in the studio, you know, and, and you mentioned also um, photographs. So, I mean, I would imagine that's something that you wind up shooting a lot of photographs as well, or? Yeah, and the photographs are more like devices for me to collect textures, <laughs> to collect, like, um, anything I notice, um, I'll take photographs of. Uh, when I use them directly, I use them usually as, uh, collage elements in, in works on paper. Um, I don't use photographs in paintings um, necessarily, uh, or ever. Um, and um, I guess regarding color uh, or kind of s taking specific observations from a place and translating them into formal um, into formal elements of, uh, of paintings, I I think that stuff is really, really intuitive. Like, color is so intuitive for me. Um, the only... I made a, a couple of 
series of works that were um, more ordered in terms of color, like um, the basically like a prismatic kind of ordering of drawings. So, um, you know, but they were, it was my choice of what variation of prismatic um, I would use. So like, for instance, I hate purple, so I never, I would purple I would refuse, you could like put a gun to my head. Well, actually, maybe yeah. <laughs> you put a gun to my head, but so I, you know, I, I pick, pick and choose, but I, I wanted to sort of see what would happen when I kind of hit different parts of, like made a, you know, rainbow of drawings, and and I also did that to kind of challenge myself because um, I felt like for a while I was seeing like art that had a rainbow in it everywhere, and it was, I was like, oh, great, more rainbow paintings. I'm sick of looking at rainbow paintings, and I'm a lot, I'm, I'm more, so I was like, okay, what happens if I force myself to make a piece that um, deals with this kind of spectral um, arrangement of things? Um, so I made this, uh, I made a body of paintings and a body of drawings. The drawings came first, and those were uh, rock garden drawings, and, and I made those actually just after I left um, New Mexico, and spending a a couple months uh, subletting a studio in, in Brooklyn. Um, so I actually made those when I was out uh, in New York um, for a brief period of time. Um, yeah, I mean, it's hard. To, the color is really a hard thing for me to uh, follow, and I'm really interested in it, and I like to I teach classes um, I teach, uh, to teach color theory, um, and, of course, thinking about how, you know, um, like, how to use color um, in a formal way is one thing, but thinking about how to um, work with color as a sort of subjective um, or how to kind of follow color um, as it might relate to content in work, in my own work. I kind of don't want to um, become too analytical about that because I feel like it might empty some of the weirdness out of my choices. Right. Um, I, I want to leave an, a kind of... Um, I want to leave an unanalyzed un, uh, space <laughs> for, sure. in my practice for, for color, at least. Well, and, and so, I mean, it seems like then there's, there's kind of like a... I don't know, a way of working through things and it sounds like anyways, where you're almost kind of like, well, you know, let me see if I could do this or something of that nature. Yeah. And, and sometimes it doesn't work and I don't show any, <laughs> but I think I, I think that lately I've been a little bit um, better at figuring out how to work through something and, and know that it'll yield something that is worth keeping um, mostly because I've, I've stopped editing my impulses as much as I used to sure sure well and, and so how does that I mean how does that come across in materials then too because you know you had talked uh, about sort of getting into that process and, and you know you you know talked about intuitive aspects of things um, do you mix a lot of things with with the materials that you're using aside from the the collage and acrylic paint like different you know, mediums or textures or? Um, I recently started to mix um, a paper pulp that I've made from old drawings um, by soaking old. 
I ha- I make a lot of work, and um, I make a lot of uh, work that doesn't get finished, or especially works on paper and collages. And I have old drawings that I never showed um, because I just I felt like they were transitional, or um, you know I didn't like them anymore. They were kind of half here, half there. Um, but I keep everything. I can't bear to throw it away if there's something in it that I want to remember. So um, at one point I got frustrated with how many like half-finished drawings or pieces that I didn't want to do anything with I had held on to, and I pulped all the paper that was in there um, by uh, cutting it up into little tiny, tiny slivers by hand. Uh, and that was really... Uh, I enlisted some help um, doing that, but I think... I'm gonna when I keep doing it, I'm gonna use a paper shredder because it's just out of control. Sure, <laughs> like my hands were in pain from the chopping. Um, but I was trying to then I put the paper pulp in a blender, and I was trying to mix that pulp material with acrylic mediums to sort of beef it up and, and make it something that I could apply almost like I applied paint um, to to a canvas. Um, I'm interested in collaging uh, pieces of canvas onto canvas and then um, doing things like making some sort of um, texture and then dragging paint across it to give almost like a relief quality um, to that. Um, It's a lot of uh, materials. I don't want to get too fancy with Mm -hmm. the materials that I add because then you can end up with like, ooh, there's there's like glitter. There's um, something that's like really sort of contrived looking materially. I want the material used to be sort of straightforward, um, something that shows a particular kind of brush stroke, something that is transparent versus something that's opaque, something that uh, has a sort of, um, like, uh, fatty thickness or translucency versus a kind of uh, plastery kind of thickness. Um, So... You know, the same way you have a range of things you can do with color and combinations you can make with different um, sorts of color relationships, I think material um, can do the same thing. Um, And I get sort of, it it takes me a long time to figure out how to get what I want out of um, a new kind of um, way of using material. So... The pulp thing is really new, and I haven't figured out how to do that correctly. Or correctly, I haven't figured out how to do it interestingly. Um, So hopefully um, I'll be able to incorporate some pulp in my next paintings. Sure. It'll do something that opens up the paintings. Um, But I tried it. I've tried it a few times, and it's... It's doing. It's getting there. Yeah. Well, and so then, is it is it kind of like then that you? I mean, it seems like there's a, a openness in terms too of being able to move um, through different series too. Then, um, so I mean, is is it common for you to be working on like different ways of say compositional, compositionally, for example? Because I know that you know in some of the the problems that you're you're setting up, um, you know, that becomes like a you know a, a thing like. Um, like the mirrored landscape yeah. ones, for example. I mean, um, so yeah, if you it... hadn't brought that up, I would have used that. This is an example. Okay. Yeah, I usually have have two things going at once. Um, so the you know the the symmetrical landscapes. Um, I was making 
um, those at the same time that I was working on um, these small paintings um, that um, were sort of where I was sort of looking at different um, ground textures and surfaces and trying to work on materiality so I could sort of bounce back and forth between those two ways of thinking and or what ways of composing um, images and that was they were sort of a relief from each other um, so when I got you know when I couldn't figure something out in one body of work I would sort of switch back to working in the other and usually by the time I got my head back into that I could come back to what I was working on before and something would have would have resolved um, so I, yeah. I'm definitely working on well, and, and certainly too, you know, in the and, and you could maybe this would be a good time to talk a little bit about the exhibition that we have up now, because um, it looks like there's a number of the number of the things that we've been talking about in different different uh, uh, configurations, but you know, also this this video piece. So, um, could you, I guess tell us a little bit about um, this show trail. Oh yeah, um, well, so trail um, the the idea of the show is I was off offered this long uh, hallway space at the Hyde Park Art Center to have a show in, and I had proposed um, making an animation piece, um, which uh, was what they really, they wanted to show, um, even though it didn't exist yet, they trusted me enough to, <laughs> um, to that I could make animation um, without, um, you know, without ever, ever seeing anything I've made in animation before. Um, so, so the the show sort of built around the animation piece, which I had an idea for um, based on my experience of walking and running down um, down a path um, that's kind of tree covered. And when you're running, and I don't know if anyone's if you, if you had this experience, I'm sure some people who might listen to this would have had the experience of if you're spacing out and sort of looking up while you're running, um, if you forget about your body. Um, all you see is these different tree branches that are kind of jumping at different rates um, and kind of passing over each other and under each other. And you can see this, like, moving out the car window, moving out the car window uh, sometimes, but, of course, it's going to be in a much smoother kind of motion. Um, so it was partly, um, you know, when you forget that you're moving, you'll notice um, everything else seems to be moving instead. Um and the, this kind of bouncing up and down, this like twitching of the landscape was something I was really interested in. And that's something that if I could have gotten at that in a still uh, image or a series of images, I probably wouldn't have chosen to make an animation at all, but there's no way you can make a drawn twitch like that. Um, right. Maybe something with being off register, or I don't know. But um, So I decided to, to try making animation and um, I went to an artist's residency uh, called Herald Arts um, last summer um, with the idea that I was going to focus on that there. And uh, Zach Berger, who um, made the sound for the animation, um, he came with me. Um, and I knew that our, sen our sensibilities were, like, he really understood um, what I was after with um, the space of the animation. And so um, he made the sound, um, he recorded the sound while I was um, working on the collages, and then I had to figure out, like, how to actually use the animation software. So that was, like, a year-long process, um, and 
I decided to use the space of the hallway um, and as a way to um, show a series of drawings, um, all works on paper that have been made over the last maybe five years or so. Um, and so the idea is that that was the trail that was left by my drawing practice, um, kind of using the word trail um, as something, a path that you might follow or a series of clues that you might leave behind or markers of, of, of time um, through space, relating it to that hallway and then um, relating it to the kind of um, sequential uh, experience of watching uh, and the animation piece unfold. Um, that was kind of what tied it together. Um, the work in that show has um, two, has a couple of different kinds of series in it. So there's um, these uh, pieces that are called uh, alignments, and um, they're just uh, basically these little collages um, that I make out of uh, painted paper um, on a sort of uh, translucent painted grid, um, just using really um, mundane sketchbook paper. Um, and there are ways for me to uh, invent structures and combine colors and work in a really, in a really like unfocused way. Um, so I kind of talk about making those things as like I just let my brain idle and see what I can invent. Um, and so those are, um, that's one sort of series. It's just a kind of um, really open-ended process where I don't have a particular result in mind, but I have a starting place for each piece that's the same. Um, and then there's uh, the symmetrical landscape um, pieces, which uh, is titled uh, Double Jointed Landscape. And uh, the idea of um, each drawing has a fold, and then each drawing has a, a connection with the drawing next to it, and each of those um, vertical divisions opens up uh, a kind of symmetry. Um, it's really hard to explain how those operate uh, verbally, but if you look at them, it'll make perfect sense. So I like that because it's a sort of impossible landscape. I mean, you would never, ever find um, a symmetrical landscape. You can find symmetrical uh, objects in a landscape, like a plant, although that usually wouldn't be perfectly symmetrical because it would be shaped by um, weather or growth or um, some other sort of force. Um, you would find symmetrical insects or other sorts of animals in landscapes. So I like the idea that being a combination of a, a landscape structure and a kind of more um, animal um, structure. Um, and then the, um, there's the, the big piece, there's a big gigantic uh, drawing um, in the front that's called Studio Landscape. And um, when I moved into the studio space I have in Chicago, um, I hung uh, this six-by-six-foot piece of paper um, as a way to find have something to, that I could do with all the scraps from my other drawings. So um, basically, it ended up becoming this landscape. I didn't even know it was going to be a landscape image, but um, basically, all the um, it's all made of leftovers from other drawings, and it's also made of um, leftover paint from other from paintings, um, and. I, my rule was that I couldn't make any materials specifically to be put in that uh, piece. It always had to be left over from something else. So um, 
you can kind of you can look at it and then you can look at the other works in the show and you can find fragments of um of one color uh from like the symmetrical landscape drawings or from the other drawings in the studio landscape and i wanted it to just be as dense as possible um and as and sort of overwhelming to look Sure. Well, and it, it seems like a really nice mix of, of work, you know, in, in the way that, you know, again, that's kind of the first thing that struck me is, you know, the the way that an animation is going to allow for like a sequence or like a literal evolution of it. And again, um, hopefully when everybody that isn't familiar checks it out and goes to goes to see the video, um, which we'll have a link up for, um, you know, it's nice to see the, the that transition where, where kind of things are flickering on and off, but... I would imagine that the way that it incorporates or kind of works with the other pieces in the show is, you know, quite interesting. Um, and, and I guess to kind of follow that up, I mean, um, what types of responses do you, do you kind of typically get in terms of, um, I guess, the way people tend to enjoy uh, what you do? Um, I get a lot of, um, well, I'll start with the first part of the question, a lot of people really responded to the animation, um, and a lot of people um, who've talked to me about about the show have, um, I think, really been um, aided in terms of understanding the rest of the work by seeing the animation. Um, so that was, that was really exciting for me, that um, instead of um, animation... Um, being something that was uh, external to the rest of the work or that was separate, that it was something that could kind of unlock um, the still works for people. Um, and that was exact, That was what I wanted for it. Um, and in terms of other sorts of responses to the work, they're really, they're really all over the place. Um, I think... I get a lot of responses that I think are really appropriate to the work, but are really different from each other, because sure. um, people gravitate towards different aspects of it. Um, some people are really interested in um, the structural aspects of it, like um, how I order how I how I order things in sequence, or um, how I make uh, space um, by by using kind of paper collage. Um, other people have much more sort of open, subjective, um, like this feels like this kind of responses. Um, yeah, I don't know. It's I, I feel like that it really varies so much from person to person. Um, it's hard it's hard for me to answer that. Sure. Well and I guess I guess in terms of following that up then with the show, is it, does this mean that you're looking to make more animations or are you taking a break from it or no i love making animation and i'm gonna do it again the only problem with making um more animations is i don't like sitting on the computer um working my my eyes feel like they're gonna pop out of my head and i get really uh stiff so um so i have to i'm i'm i have a few ideas and uh, zach and i um want to collaborate again um, only this time, I think what, what we're going to try is, um, is for this piece, um, I really animated to the sound, so I kind of used the the soundtrack as a way to pace the the 
way the images moved, and it was it was really great way to work. Um, but I think next time we're going to try um, the images coming first, and then him sort of recording sound to go with um, a sequence of images that already has a, a sort of rhythm to it. So, um, or that has a, a kind of pacing to it already. Um, and I think that'll allow me more variation in how I can construct. Sure. Well, and, and I guess as a, it's, it's a good segue since you bring up uh, the soundtrack or, or the music to it. Um, is that something that is always a, a kind of accompanied while you're working, when you're working in the studio? Because um, I, I found it very strange. Um, well, strange to me just because it's me, but um, people listen to so many different types of things. You know, some people like a very serene environment or, you know, maybe the opposite or complete silence. Um, is that... Do you, do you listen to things, and what do you listen to? <laughs> uh, some, sometimes I listen to music. Um, my taste is pretty broad with music, so I don't have, like, a particular kind of music that I listen to um, while I'm working. Um, but I just as often I'll work with um, the radio on, like like either NPR or... or um, I really like playing... Uh, podcasts or audiobooks while I'm working, so um, there's, there usually is something playing, but it's not necessarily music. Right, right. Well, and, and again, I, I think it's just the, the non-art things are so interesting about people, too. I mean, I, I guess there could probably be you know, these other alternates that, I don't know, you wind up tacking on with, with these interviews in terms of all the other things that you wind up becoming interested in, but I mean, you know, I, mean, I guess outside of that that realm, I mean, are there other things that you um, take into in terms of finding up ways of eating your time, or is it always spent in the studio? <laughs> well, I'm a really addicted knitter. Um, I mean, I knit like sometimes if I'm if I'm really busy and um, I don't have any feel like I have any time off. Um, sometimes I'll need to just zone out and knit and watch crappy TV shows for a few hours, but um, that there's a there's something about the tactile quality of knitting and the repetitive quality of it that becomes really addictive. That and that I like being able to make um, make things for people or for myself. So I'm I'm become pretty addicted to knitting. Um, although I don't, there's like no relationship between my work and my knitting. I just except for the fact that I probably my knitting during my work um and um see I guess um well in terms of crappy television I mean that that opens the doors I mean are we are we talking about I don't know why I could imagine you watching um the Discovery Channel for some reason I do I do I watch documentaries I watch a lot of documentaries um I would say the crappy TV I watch is like uh I was re- I like got really obsessed with RuPaul's Drag Race, and I was like, "Have you seen that? Oh man, it's so it's so amazingly interesting." But um, no, I don't. I I'm not like uh, always watching um, informational or scientific right. or highbrow sorts of things. Although I definitely like that stuff too. Um, I mean, I might just be like keeping caught up with the Daily Show or something like sure. that. Um, but Whatever I mean, whatever I'm watching. Well, and it's it's interesting too how those 
I don't know, it seems like there's times where those things just kind of creep in there. You know, I, I was just seeing something on, on PBS about Chernobyl now, and there there was there were these scientists that were, I guess, trying to determine um, what was up with this pack of wolves and, and, I guess, where they were living. And it was just amazing to see all these different images, um, you know, because you have all this greenery growing up with all these buildings around it, and there's, you know, like a real noticeable difference because it just hasn't been touched in 20-some years, you know. Um, it makes me think of the Tarkovsky film, um, Stalker. Have you seen that? No, no. That, I think there's a, I think there's, um, that sort of thing, um, like being a, I guess, you know, I don't, I doubt that RuPaul's Drag Race will ever make it into my work <laughs> in any, like, real overt kind of way. <laughs> Maybe there's some really sneaky way it'll end up in there, but, um, but in terms of, listening and watching and viewing um, the things that I feel really strongly about um, are definitely like things that help me form a sensibility so that film is something that I really love and it also is the idea of the sort of post-apocalyptic landscape um, post-nuclear landscape that, that and also a kind of ruined uh, humanity like that that's really um, I, I'm a big sci-fi uh, fan um, but I'm very fussy about it. I like really particular sci-fi um, stuff so like Margaret Atwood anything with the kind of environmental um, focus uh, Octavia Butler uh, is a favorite yeah. author of mine uh, J.G. Ballard there's something about a sort of dark um, sensibility or kind of impure uh, approach to um, thinking about things um, the idea of some what happens after um, some a space is sort of ruined or compromised or um, and and then how to, how do people kind of negotiate that so um, I that's those are the sorts of um, films and sure. books that influence me um, and also just like really straight documentary kind of um, writing. Um, I love, uh, I'm about to take a road trip out west, um, and I'm hoping to plan a visit to Arches National uh, Park in Utah. Um, is it Utah? Um, yeah, it's in Utah. Um, or it's in Nevada, um, which is where uh, uh, Edward Abbey um, set the beginning of Desert Solitaire, which is one of my favorite pieces of, um, of uh, nature writing. Um, so there's, yeah, there's definitely, there's different levels of um, related material um, or different ways that everything that you do in your life relates to the work that you produce. It's not in any way separate. Um, and I think that I'm more and more conscious of that. Um, I don't think I would be able to maintain a studio practice without having this other. Sure. Well, and, and again, just because I, I, we're going to leave it a little bit on the art note stuff, but um, um, the first thing would just be, is, is there anything that you've seen, I guess, like a, a show in particular recently that just kind of, aside from your own, obviously, <laughs> uh, a show that you would go, oh, you got to go see that, or oh, you should have bought the book for this, or the catalog? Um, I 
just saw the Lichtenstein show at the Art Institute on Monday, and, or on Tuesday, and um, I got there almost before the museum closed, so I'm going to go back, but um, that show was really, really fantastic. Um, and I think it was fantastic because um, it really showed that the scope of his practice beyond just the comic strip paintings and um, he's set, it's such an interesting mixture of um, kind of like uh, I, I'm not going to use the word parody, but um, because, but sometimes it approaches parody of kind of taking something in a really direct way from other works or from art history, um, combining with that with this incredible graphic sensibility, and also realizing as I was looking at a lot of those pieces, um, it's really important that they're handmade. You know, um, I think that it's easy to forget when you look at reproductions of um, Lichtenstein or some other pop artists that there was an intentional choice to keep these things paintings. And, um, yeah, so that, that show is just incredible. Um, and it's not that I even liked everything that he made. Um, there were things in there that I thought were, like, really cheesy, and then there are things in there that... I thought were really slick feeling, and then, but then every like third or fourth one re was really incredible. So, um, it also just the idea of the retrospective makes me think about how, um, you know, when you just see the highlights of an artist's practice instead of the full breadth of it, you forget that not every piece is a masterpiece, and nor should it be, because you have to make all sorts of things in order to arrive at the ones that really that, that really gel perfectly. And then also, there are other people who might see that show and think that the ones that I thought were tacky were the best ones, or, or you know, something, they might have a different criteria for what they thought worked best. That was, that's a really Sure. So, so does that mean that you're taking a break from from ex exhibiting and, and getting back into the studio, or do you have anything coming up that you'd like to let us know about aside from your show that's up right now? Um, I actually can't. I probably have a couple. I, <laughs> I don't have any solo shows um, lined up right now. Um, there's a show in the long distant future that one of the other artists who you've interviewed, um, Sherman McDonald curated that's going to be uh, in Albuquerque, uh, New Mexico in, I think, about a year. Um, and I think that's also a landscape-based show. Um, so I'm excited to do that and to work with Shona again. Um, and um, yeah, right now I'm, I'm holding up in the studio. The fact that I've been focusing on works on paper and animation so heavily for the last year has really made me um, want to make paintings. So I'm, I'm starting Body of Paintings. And I'm kind of actually looking forward to um, not necessarily having a, a deadline for it and um, being able to take some risks. Sure, sure. Well, that's excellent. Um, I really appreciate you taking the time to, to chat with us. Yeah, thanks. It's fun. I hope I am not too rambly. <laughs> No, not at all. Not at all. <laughs> all right. Thanks again to Melissa for joining us today. Again, you can check out more of her work by visiting melissaoreski.com. And please remember to go check out that show at the Hyde Park Arts Center. It runs through August. 
Music for today's podcast was found at freemusicarchive.org. Our intro song, Dead Horse One, Alone. And taking us out is Cohen Park, Boombox, Paper Thin Room. If you happen to like today's program, just remember you can go and check out all the other podcasts. We've got 35 now up at studiobreak.com, each with full-length interviews and slideshows. You can also go to the iTunes store and subscribe there if you'd like to listen that way. Highly recommend it. I'd also suggest that you go to Facebook and like Studio Break there. Again, we provide a number of updates for upcoming artists that will be featured on Studio Break. We share photos of exhibitions and all sorts of good stuff. And once again, we'd really love it if you could help spread the word about Studio Break, so please share it with your friends. And in case if any of you have been living under a rock, I do have an opening coming up June 16th. I'm very excited about it. We just installed everything at the Peoria Art Guild the other day. Really excited about that show, so... If you'd like to get prepped for it, you can also go and check out the recent interview that Ben Gardner did with me on Studio Break. I enjoyed it quite a bit. I hope you do, too. And once again, that exhibition opens up June 16th at the Peoria Art Guild from 6 to 8 p.m. Well, that's our show for today. Hope you enjoyed it, and we'll talk to you real soon.